and welcome back to the Rocklist podcast. As usual, I'm joined with Nathan. And as I've said in the previous two podcasts, Nathan, this podcast is now always going to start with the question, how are you apart from footballing matters? So Nathan, how are you without any football involved in your life? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, just uh, plodding away that final year of uni now. So the graft is well and truly on. Um, yeah, all, all good from me. How about yourself, Chris? Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Um, again, plodding along. Um, I just felt myself almost like recoiling my chair a little bit when you started talking about the final year of uni. I hate a break at you, Nathan. It, um, those final few weeks aren't pretty, but it is worth it in the end. So, um, Nathan, you must stick in. And also, for anyone listening that's in the final year of uni or just starting out, then take my words of advice and stick in because it is worth it in the end. Um, before we go on a whole life lesson about what not to do and things to do at a university, uh, we've got quite a lot of stuff to talk about, Nathan. Two games since we last spoke, um, one of which I think could probably be analysed in the space of about 30 seconds. Um, but we also finally, finally have a new manager. And, of course, there's a little bit of a shock in the coaching staff. Um, and there's so much to talk about, really. So... Having done probably two, possibly even three negative podcasts in a row previously and talking about what we, what our hopes were for upcoming podcasts, I think we said in the last one, hopefully we'll have a new manager and we also may have won a game. Well, we've managed to do both and that win come away at Wigan Athletic, of course, I think in the previous podcast, we thought that um, Michael Carrick may have been even in charge, or at least he would have been in charge for the Huddersfield game. Turns out he was in charge for neither. But, Nathan, a 4-1 win away at Wigan, hard to complain, really. Yeah, very hard to complain about that. Um, after the first half, I wasn't expecting much going into that second period. Um, of course, the score was tied at 1-1. At half time, goals in the first half coming from Will Keane from a Wigan corner after about half an hour. Um, James McLean puts that corner in the box. Will Keane sort of just gets the edge on Tommy Smith, um, pushes him to the floor. Um, I think Smith was a bit off balance, had his arms around Keane anyway. But Keane gets his head to that one, flicks it in at the far post. And we find ourselves 1-0 down away from home. And things don't look too too great there, but we managed to get that equaliser on the stroke of half time. A long ball from Ryan Giles, a mistake from uh, Jack Watmore at this at the centre half position for Wigan, misses the ball, and Duncan Watmore, his namesake, runs through, and is rather composed. I thought that he was probably going to go through on goal and shoot, but. He stayed composed and teed up Isaiah Jones, cut it back, and Isaiah Jones slid that one in the far corner and we were in at 1-1 at half-time. But I wasn't expecting much going in that second half, Chris. The first half performance didn't really catch my eye. I don't know about yourself, 
But what were you expecting going in that second half? Yeah, certainly not three more goals. I've got to be honest, Nathan. Um, in terms of a spectacle, that <coughs> first half against Wigan, not in terms of that we were dreadful, but just in terms of both teams really sort of slogging it out on a bit of a cold night in Wigan. I mean, as usual, the home support was almost non-existent from Wigan. I never think that helps, especially when there's no atmosphere, you know. Um, hope you've kind of got to rely on the football and, and, and the football wasn't really throwing up much. But I mean, I was just happy to see that we'd, we'd managed to come back from a, a goal down. Um, because to be honest, and, and I'm not saying we were fantastic by any stretch, at least in the first half. But for the most part during that first half, all all I, that was going through my mind was how how have we got ourselves in this predicament where we're trying to grind results out against, and I hate to use the phrase, a team like Wigan. I thought they were dreadful, to be honest with you. Um, and thankfully, thankfully, we uh, we turned up the heat in the second half, got the job, uh, job done, and, and for the first time in a long time, I can't even remember when the last time was. Scored four goals, and especially away from home as well. That was the major thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and I'll tell you when it was as well. It was Peterborough last season. That was our last away win, and that was the last time we scored four goals away from home as well. Um, ago, such it? it does feel like a long time since then as well. So buzzing to get that away win. Of course, the goals in the second half came from Watmore, um, a bit of industrious play from him. Uh, the ball kept bouncing in his direction, which was quite fortunate. Nice to see Borough have the look at the green a little bit. Um, and yeah, um, he slots that one in the far corner, sends us 2-1 up. Then more work from Watmore down that left-hand side. Uh, in a bit of a change of position for him on Wednesday night, playing off the left. More work from him down that left-hand side, tries to cross the tuba, it's cleared away, and Hayden Hackney takes one touch out his feet and smashes one in the bottom corner. Um, fantastic for him to get his first goal for Middlesbrough and his first goal in English professional football as well. And then lastly, there was there was an offside goal for Matt Crooks as well. Um, maybe just offside for that one, but you thought you were in dreamland there with every player getting on the score sheet, but unfortunately it wasn't Crooksy's night. Um, and then the penalty, uh, I think it's it's blatant, isn't it? Um, as clean as they come, Isaiah Jones wins them every single day of the week, just steps across his man. I think it's Graham Shinney in this case, steps across him, buys the foul off him, wins the penalty. And it's not the best penalty in the world from Tuba, but it's slotted away underneath Ben Amos. Borough run out, 4-1 winners. We all kind of think that that's Leo's last game in charge as he goes over that away end and salutes the away fans. But that wasn't to be the case. He was in charge at Huddersfield on Saturday afternoon, which I don't think many were expecting, if I'm honest. Um I think the morning after the Wigan game, it came out that Leo was expected to be in charge. And we we just sort of thought we were finding ourselves in this cycle where we all knew Michael Carrick was going to going to be coming into the football club at some point. We just didn't know when. 
Yeah, yeah, that that did seem to be the case, didn't it? It sort of for what was it three three weeks? Um, just about. It seemed like there was the same sort of um, repeated um, news article about midweek um, from either the the Echo or the, or the Gazette, if I can get my words out. Um, pretty much just confirming that there'll be one more game of Leo and then the appointment will happen. Um, fortunately, we're at a stage now at the time of recording where, you know, that won't be happening anymore. Of course, we've got our man finally. Um, but just before we move away from Wigan and obviously talk briefly about that Huddersfield game, because there's not an awful lot of, of talking points, um, I guess one of the main things to take away from Wigan was obviously the change in shape um, we spoke about it last podcast, um, potentially about a, a move away from the back five that Chris Wilder had adopted um, and moving to a back four. And, and that's what we did. And in fairness, despite a, a tough first half, I think the four at the back clearly worked. And as you say, it, it meant that um, Duncan Watmore had a little bit of a, a different role to what he usually does out on the left. And that uh, formation continued against Huddersfield at the Riverside, um, as you said earlier. The only real shock for me, of course, um, regarding the team, you know, um, apart from Matt Crooks being out, of course, he was suspended. Um, but as I said, the real surprise for me was the fact that Hayden Hackney didn't continue in the team after scoring his first goal and really being one of the, the shining lights of what's been quite a difficult few weeks, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um... Perhaps a strange one for for fans to to look at that one, um, but for for a young lad like Hayden Hackney to come into uh, this Middlesbrough side in in quite a difficult time, of course, without without a manager um, in charge, I think Leo did mention it in his press conference um, pre Huddersfield, actually saying that some players may need a rest in in the legs. Um, I think Hackney did play the. Did he play the full ninety at Wigan? He, he seem. He, I seem to remember he did. I think. I think I want. I want to say that he may have been subbed off because I remember thinking that Leo's definitely just taken him off to get a round of applause. But I may be wrong. To be honest, with everything that's happened over the past forty-eight hours, <laughs> it kind of feels like Wigan away was about a month ago now. So um, yeah, it does. It does. In fairness. But yeah, anyway, the, the the point still stands. Leo did suggest that some players need, needed a, a little bit of a rest in the legs. And, and of course, when, when things weren't going for us in that first half against Huddersfield, Hayden Hackney was substituted on at half time. So 45 minutes rest in the legs for Hayden Hackney, and then he was back on the on the field for Middlesbrough. But yeah, uh regarding the Huddersfield game. It almost feels like the game didn't even happen to me. Um, this, this weekend um, was was probably the first first weekend where I've been able to go to a game uh, at home at the Riverside, um, but decided not to. And, and I'm I'm going to be honest, most of that was down to the price of train tickets. Um, back home from, from Lincoln this weekend with rail strikes. It's it's difficult and things like that. But yeah, didn't go to the game this weekend. But I uh, I actually, my laptop jetted off to uh, America and I was able to uh, watch the game um, off my laptop, which which was nice of it to uh, to attend uh, New York, actually, okay. this weekend. 
Um, but yeah, there wasn't much to talk about at all, really. Um, I think the best chance the first half was a was a header from Paddy McNair um, that was saved by Lee Nichols down to his left hand side. There was a few penalty shouts throughout the game, really, in that first half. Duncan Watmore fires a ball across the face of goal and it strikes a Huddersfield player on the arm. Maybe his arm is is down by his side. I think it is. Uh, upon reflection, um, it is down by his side and it would probably be very harsh to give that one. And then one that has divided a little bit of opinion is the the one for the foul on Watmore. Um, I'm not too sure if it is, if I'm honest. I think Duncan Watmore has perhaps had a little touch on his ankle and he's made a meal of it, in my opinion. I think he's sort of running down a blind alley. Uh, his, his touch has taken him a bit too far and he's probably going out of play for a Huddersfield goal kick. And I think Duncan Watmore's perhaps had a little bit of a dive, if I'm honest. I don't know what your opinion on that one is, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I, I've got to agree with you on that, Nathan. I, I think, it, you know, credit to Duncan Watmore. He's had, you know, quite a quite a good few weeks in terms of, you know, he's, he's sort of won his place back in the team, really, where, he, you know, f- for the most part during his Middlesbrough career, he's been sort of in and out. Um, apart from the first spell um, where he came into the team under under Neil Warnock and obviously scored all those goals um, before getting his permanent contract. But yeah, um, I think it's one of them where you described it perfectly. You know, Duncan Watmore does tend to put his head down and run. And in fairness to him, he often ends up somehow coming out of the situation with the ball still at his feet. Um, but I think for this one, for me, it was probably, as you say, he probably realised where the ball was going and, and sort of just maybe a little bit of gamesmanship comes into it and he's just thought, well, I'll try and go down and see if I can fool the referee. But um, I actually, interestingly, thought that the handball from Tom Lees was potentially more of a shout. I don't know how you feel about that one. Um, but yeah, if I, if I was to look at both... I would have actually thought it was the handball more so than the actual, you know, incident that we're talking about. So, yeah, I think on the balance of things, had we have won, I think you could have probably said just about deserved it, but not by a long stretch. Um, again, I thought it was too, uh, too, uh, too poor championship teams going at it in all honesty um, the, the one standout for me actually during the game was Sorba Thomas's corners because I'm yet to see apart from probably Santi Cazola someone that manages to actually make a free kick to direct shot on goal for the most part I thought Zach Steffen done incredibly well to keep on um, punching or making contact with those corners because we all know the threat he possesses and um, those corners are so dangerous for Huddersfield. Um, but we we managed to to keep a clean sheet, which is always nice. And of course, Zach Steffen, again, um, putting putting on a good display. Um, and I feel, you know, we spoke about it um, at the weekend. He, he's really sort of coming into his own now a little bit. Um, 
after a, a bit of a nervy sort of start to life at Middlesbrough. So, yeah, I think the the real disappointment on a whole was the fact that we couldn't get Carrick over the line. Um, you know, given that midweek we we got the four one win, really built up some optimism. Everyone thought we'll go back to the Riverside with three points and four goals, and then we can introduce Carrick to the crowd and and you know really build some momentum on that and. Saturday, just sort of, as you say, I don't think anyone's going to remember it in the long term. Um, but we didn't get beat. So I guess that's a positive, Nathan. Um, yeah. I, I think, to be honest, the main talking point was always going to be in this podcast about, of course, the new arrival of a head coach. Um, that head coach being Michael Carrick. We've spoken about it for the previous two podcasts, insinuating that it would be would have been confirmed by the time the next podcast was actually brought out. Um, and it's finally done, and it almost feels like a bit of a weight off the shoulders, doesn't it? I think most Middlesbrough fans would agree that it's just nice to have a bit of clarification, a bit of confirmation, just to say this is the route we're going down. Um, and also that, that quite um, shocking little inclusion on the end of the statement yesterday um of course in the announcement of of michael carrick's um job as middlesbrough head coach now obviously we're recording this on tuesday and we will discuss the press conference today of course which included um neil bowser q and scott and michael carrick but nathan we've kind of covered what carrick would bring and what we expected and what we wanted from him. The real talking point from the actual announcement was the fact that Jonathan Woodgate is back in the fold, and I definitely didn't see that coming. I'm not sure whether you would have either, but what's your thoughts on that? I don't think anyone in the wildest dreams could have imagined it coming, if I'm honest, Chris. Um, My first reaction was an expletive, if I'm honest. It was like, what on earth? yeah, reading that statement um, from the club of, of the appointment of Michael Carrick as first team head coach and scrolling down and, and reading the quotes from, from Steve Gibson and Michael Carrick himself. And then you just sort of see in, in like the, the small print at the bottom, Michael Carrick will be joined with Jonathan Woodgate, who was head coach from June 2019 to June 2020. And you think, you what? What do you mean Jonathan Woodgate's back at Middlesbrough? But he is um, the man who was, of course, head coach at Middlesbrough a few years ago prior to Neil Warnock, is back this time in an assistant role. And I'm not, I'm going to be honest, I'm not that disappointed with it if i'm if i'm totally honest um i think what needs to happen is we need to get that experience in in through the door now um someone who's been around the block for a bit longer than these two have um it has been mentioned of course in that statement that middlesbrough are still searching for an experienced head to join Michael Carrick's backroom staff at Middlesbrough. And I think once that's done, I'll feel I'll feel much more um safer in in, in the the current um 
the current coaching staff, if I'm honest. Um, and there's no denying that Jonathan Woodgate has had a, has had experience now as a coach. Um, of course, a year at Middlesbrough that, I mean, the, the time he was in charge, I feel that at times he was dealt a, quite a sorry hand, if I'm honest, um, by by Steve Gibson. Uh, there's, there's no denying that Jonathan Woodgate wasn't backed as Middlesbrough manager. Um, he signed Anthony Dykesdale and Mark Bowler, who were two unproven at, at the championship level um, players. Of course, those two had just played in League One for, for Charlton and for Blackpool, respectively. And in other positions, Jonathan Woodgate wasn't backed. We, of course, we saw players come in like Ravel Morrison, who, I mean, it's risk. It was risks that Jonathan Woodgate was was handed really on, on free deals and loans. But now, coming in as an assistant, he's had that experience at Middlesbrough prior to this. He's of course had experience with Bournemouth as well, where. Perhaps there was some expectation on him with Bournemouth as well. Um, of course, he entered Bournemouth at a difficult time where they were um, under the management of Jason Tyndall. He was said to be Tyndall's assistant and within three days, Tyndall was sacked and Woodgate was placed as the interim boss and Bournemouth looked as though they were going to drop out of the playoff places, but they didn't. Woodgate rallied that side, got them into the playoffs. Okay, they were defeated over two legs against Brentford, who are, of course, still in the Premier League now. And Jonathan Woodgate was quickly dropped from Bournemouth, which I kind of feel was was a little bit unfair um, on Jonathan Woodgate in that case. But he's back this time in an assistant role and... I, I think I'm all for it, you know, and that's so that's so strange to say, but I think I'm all for it. Right. Well, um, I, I guess like all good podcasts, um, it's always nice to have contrasting views, um, and I think it's it's fair to say I was, you know, almost on the on the opposite end of the scale. Um, I read the statement. Obviously, was delighted that Carrick was announced saw Jonathan Woodgate's name at the end of the statement and thought at first it was a a spelling mistake um, <laughs> from the admin team um, at Middlesbrough. Uh, obviously, then, you know, quickly sort of almost rubbed my eyes and read the statement again from top to bottom and he was, his name was still on the end of the statement. <laughs> um, and to be honest... It, it. I saw a tweet that I actually retweeted yesterday, and I'm going to read it out because it almost described perfectly how I was feeling at the time. Um, so the tweet says, uh, we made the mistake of appointing an experienced manager and not appointing an experienced assistant a few years back. Of course, Jonathan Woodgate with no um, grey hair, as he used to always uh, reference. Um, we've now appointed the inexperienced manager as assistant to the new experienced manager. I'm not losing my head here, am I? 
Um, yeah, and that's exactly how I felt. I don't... It, it's not that I want to be negative <coughs> about it. You know, surprisingly, I actually don't want to be negative about it because it's a fresh start. It's not like Woodgate is the main man. But when we spoke about it a few weeks ago and said the importance of a Rennie Mullenstein or a Mike Phelan, who both of which seem to have drifted, um, I was expecting a little bit more experience. As you see, you know, Jonathan Woodgate, in fairness, he's been there and done it in the situation that Michael Carrick's about to be in. Um, but he failed, let's be honest. And I know there's context you can add to that. And you can say, I agree, he wasn't backed. But, you know, there was, it wasn't a good time for the football club. It looked destined for a place in League One, to be honest. And, you know, it, it was more that I just thought, if you think of any other sort of football club, um, previously over the years has there ever been a case of a manager nearly getting a club relegated to whichever division or, ju or just failing completely and then two years down the line being told you're back in the fold um, we'll kind of just forget about what happened previously and I know he, he's a local lad and he knows the club inside out and things like that but I just it just didn't really sit right with me. And I've seen a lot of talk about the whole like jobs for the boys, you know, statement. And although I'm, I'm not sure I fully agree with that, it does, it does have a slight twinge of it where I think I can't think of many other clubs that would, that would pull a move like that. And yeah, I mean, I don't want to get carried away and go on a full rant because at the end of the day, he's not the manager. He's a number two of Michael Carrick. I think the reason why it sort of almost frustrated me more wasn't the fact that, oh, Jonathan, Wood, Jonathan Woodgate, the person, is back. It was more the fact that that appears to be Michael Carrick's right-hand man and we... <laughs> talked of the importance of having real experience, which I don't really think Jonathan Woodgate does have. Um, obviously, we saw the report yesterday as well that um, Leicester City's Adam Sadler was someone that Michael Carrick wanted to add to his staff. Um, he looks to have missed out on him, and I think Sadler's now going to remain at Leicester. Um, but yeah, the, the Woodgate one... It sort of was like a mixture of, of emotions. It took me completely by surprise. I instantly thought, this can't be right. Then I was just frustrated. And then I sort of, in fairness, saw some opinions and other ways of looking at it and wasn't stubborn enough to just say, no, it's completely wrong. And thought, well, you know, this, this might work. This could help a little bit. But I'm still in that camp where I'm thinking... I'm just not right. I'm I'm just not sure it was the right time, and I'm not sure it was the right move, considering the importance that we placed, and I think a lot of people placed on getting the right men behind Carrick. And then, okay, yes, they may go and bring in some people in the next few weeks, and that would change everything completely. But at the moment, for looking at it, 
at, at what it is now, I, I'm just, yeah, I, I'm not fully convinced by it. Yeah, I think has another man been brought in alongside Woodgate as part of Carrick's backroom staff, same and Mike Phelan, for example, as, as one of the names mentioned, I think a lot more people would would be um, more welcoming of the news of Woodgate returning, if I'm honest, um, because you have that that man that hasn't been around the club before that possibly hasn't had the poorest track record ever at the at the football club. You have a you have a different man in, um, but pros for Woodgate, I think you'd say he's worked at three different clubs now. Liverpool, he worked at um, as part of the, the the talent scouting. He worked at Middlesbrough, of course, as a, as a coach in, in a quite a similar role, really, um, a few years ago under Tony Pulis. And um, then, of course, as head coach, and then, of course, went to Bournemouth and did some work there as what would have been assistant. But then, of course was was promoted to the head coach role. I think one of the things that does need to be said is he's not actually coming in as the manager or the head or the head coach. Um he is simply the assistant, the man to to give Carrick his views and opinions on on certain things. He's not going to be picking the team. He's not going to be setting the team up in any particular way. He's simply coming as a coach. He's not going to be doing any of the media for everyone who enjoys Jonathan Woodgate memes. We all know that he's not the most media savvy man. Um, he's not going to be doing any sort of media work for the football club, as proven by the press conference today where Jonathan Woodgate wasn't a feature in that. Um but yeah, I can I can see both sides of, of the coin, really. Um I think I'm just willing to be a little bit more lenient in my in my uh, opinion um at this moment in time and try to trying to be as positive as I possibly can because what usually is the case with myself is I'll I'll, I'll be as positive as possible, but as soon as things start to turn, I'll hit full panic mode and and uh and, and fear the worst but for now i think that I'm, I'm quite positive with with how things are going and with a new head coach with jonathan woodgate and with the possibility of a new assistant i'm really looking forward to the next five games before the world cup break to see what this this new coaching staff throw up in terms of ideas for how this Middlesbrough side going to going to play from now on. Um, of course, today was was the day that Michael Carrick gave his his press conference to the the local and national media. Um, what I did find rather strange was the absence of Steve Gibson still in in, in this press conference. Um, Michael Carrick was sided by Chief Exec Neil Bowser and Head of Football Kieran Scott, but still no sign of Steve Gibson. Steve Gibson did give quotes 
on the appointment of Carrick on the website, which I genuinely think were copy and pasted from the appointment of Woodgate. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know your your take on that, Chris, yeah. but um, the 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 outstanding candidate for the job uh, was thrown up again. Yeah, that that phrase almost like sort of um, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up for all the wrong reasons. Um, you know, um, and I don't want to get drawn into it, but given that um, at the time of Jonathan Woodgate's appointment, it was quite widely known that we'd interviewed uh, Slavisa Jukanovic, who at that time was, you know, a serious hot property in terms of a championship manager. And, um, yeah, the outstanding candidate line is always just not really sat fantastically with me. But, um, yeah, after after reading that again, I, I did think the same thing. Um, but what was nice, and I, I guess we've, we've <coughs> kind of got to credit the club, was the fact that there was some chiefs of the club there. You know, we spoke about it. I think it was three podcasts ago and, and said when the new manager is announced, we need some form of communication from a higher ranked um, person at the club, whether that be Neil Bowser or Kieran Scott. Um, just to shed a bit of light on the direction and, and what's gone on previously. And, you know, we both said at the time, we don't expect them to come out and give the ins and outs about what happened with Chris Wilder and, and why it didn't work out and recruitment and things like that. But actually, in fairness to them, they, uh, they faced up to the media today, whichever way you, you know you view Kieran Scott and Neil Bowser. And although, you know, when I listen to Neil Bowser, I almost get flashbacks to that Jonathan Woodgate press conference, ironically, um, and the various sort of transfer failings over the last few years um my real sort of takeaways from that press conference was obviously the 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 lines from kieran scott regarding um recruitment and regarding you know a, a manager that doesn't pretty much view the club as a stepping stone and wants to be here and for the long term and you know I don't think it takes a genius to work out that he was without referring directly to him talking about Chris Wilder. Um, I think he'd done it in a very clever way, actually, um, to the point where it wasn't disrespectful and almost a little bit embarrassing on the club's behalf, but to the point where it was nodding in the direction of this is kind of the reason why we're in the situation we are now in. And... I thought he spoke really well, really openly, really honestly about especially recruitment. You know, there was the the sort of lines about the way that he wants to work 14 months down the line, um, almost insinuating that for the previous 14 months, he hadn't really been able to sort of take full sort of grasp of the job that he was brought in to be doing. Um and, you know, we know from speaking to, to Neil Warnock that that relationship wasn't the best that it could be. And obviously, we now know as well 
um, from sort of reading between the lines and also things that that Scott said today that that clearly, you know, him and Chris Wilder weren't getting on as well in terms of their work and relationship as what perhaps um, may have been perceived or what people, you know, would have wanted um, to expect from those two. So, yeah, um, just on those Scott comments, really, really interesting. And, and as I say, credit to him mainly um, for, for coming out and, and being so brutally honest, to be honest. Yeah, um, I thought the comments regarding the recruitment were um, were quite telling, really. Um, stating that no signing that has been made uh, in his tenure at the football club was made without full acceptance and acknowledgement from every member of the first team, coaching staff. And in a way, you can kind of see that Wilder in the past had had said that these players were, were almost brought in without his his say really um you, everyone knows who I'm referring to with with Marcus Force and Matthew Hoppy brought in as as development forwards um forwards for the future and Wilder was was always quite keen to say pretty pretty much without saying it that they probably won't feature for him all too much for the future which yeah. yeah was uh was quite strange but yeah it was good to hear from from Kieran Scott and of course hearing from Michael Carrick as well um upon taking the role uh Carrick stating that some of the things that that were said in the media about him not being sure on taking the job were were uh, a load of rubbish pretty much um and yeah, I'm 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 really glad to to have heard from him. If I'm honest, didn't really know what to expect because I haven't really heard Michael Carrick ever ever speak. Um, even when he was at Manchester United for for the three games he was in charge, never really picked up on anything he said. Um, always struck me as a, a model professional. Uh, in that Manchester United side that was just happy to sort of keep the media part of, of football completely away from himself and, and just focus on his football. And yeah, I think I think he's just looking forward to get getting getting his head down and, and finding out what this Middlesbrough side are all about and drilling some new ideas into them and implementing his own style of play, which, of course, we are yet to see. Um, I think it would be very, very difficult right now to call how this Middlesbrough side are going to play. Um, of course, y- y- if you want to take a sample size, you can look at that those three games at Man United. However, it's Manchester United. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably the position, probably uh, sorry, the formation, and the team probably picks itself at Manchester United. Um, he wasn't going to change much there, so it is pretty much walking into the unknown on Saturday at Deepdale. We don't know what 
team he's going to throw up. We don't know how the team is going to be set up. Um, and I think it'd be naive of me to think that his ideas would be implemented even to a point where it's half taken in by the players um, on Saturday afternoon. I think we'll, we're going to have to bear with uh, for the time being. Um, it's going to be a process for Carrick to implement this style of play. We have a very sort of short handful of games now coming up until the break, but I'm glad that we've got a manager in now before that break to, first of all, see what the players are like and then have the break with the players to implement his style of play, how he wants them to play, how he wants them to conduct themselves and, yeah, then then kick on for the rest of the season. I'm really looking forward to it, but, yeah, as I say, walking into the unknown, so just looking forward to seeing what could possibly happen in the future, I suppose, because we don't know what's happening. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is it is a, an exciting appointment. And I think, you know, given Steve Gibson's track record of, of going with, you know, fairly untested um, head coaches and managers and, and the success that history has shown that that can have, is something that almost makes you a, a little bit giddy and excited inside. And, you know, I, I must say, and he, he mentioned it today in his in his press conference, that, you know, I'm no longer a player, I am a, a head coach. And I thought that was interesting as well, that, you know, a, f- a few of the, of the journalists asked, you know, are you a head coach, are you a manager? And he said, to be honest, I don't really care. You know, I don't, I'm not bothered about a title, I'm bothered about winning football matches and I'm bothered about putting my ideas across and, and, and picking the team and, and making them um, get themselves into a better position than they currently are. Um, just another thing, a quickly note that was mentioned, obviously um, Neil Bowser confirmed that his contract's for two and a half years, so obviously um, the rest of this season and, and two years following that. So, you know, it's it's not a short contract by any means and I don't think it was ever going to be with this type of appointment. Um, but yeah, the, the point that I wanted to go back to that I originally started with was I think it is a little bit hard as a fan, especially me. I don't know how you feel about it or people listening or watching this podcast will feel about it. But, you know, I, I look at some of the honours that Michael Carrick won throughout his career Champions League winner, Premier League winner, pretty much every trophy that you can think of in club football, he has won. He's then had glowing references from the likes of Gareth Southgate or Alex Ferguson. And, you know, seeing some of the photos of him in Middlesbrough training gear, even on the training pitch today, stood alongside Jonathan Woodgate and Grant Lepper, I did sort of think, yeah, I quite like the feel of this. I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't know what the style's going to be. I could be massively wrong, but you've got to be excited by the unknown, I think. Um, and that's exactly what we're getting, as, as you said. You know, I don't think anyone could possibly predict what formation, which personnel are going to be on that pitch against Preston. And that 
team lineup will probably be completely different in three weeks' time when Michael Carrick may have stumbled across a, dis- a different system or a different set of players. Um, and, and that's exciting as well. Yes, we're in a serious position. Yes, you know, the main priority is staying in the division. But I look at this group of players and I really hope this doesn't come back to haunt me, Nathan. Don't be getting carried away, you. No, I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> not going to make any, any too much of a ridiculous statement. But I look at this group of players and I've, I've, we've seen what they can do. And I think, you know, I'd, I'd rather be looking up at the table rather than looking behind us. And there's not that much behind us, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> um, apart from League One glaring us in the face. Um but I, I'm no way insinuating that we're going to go on some, you know, ridiculous run now and, and get in the playoffs. I, I, I'm not that completely deluded. But, you know, I'm just, I am excited by the appointment. I am. And, you know, we could have gone down the Rob Edwards route or the Corboran route. And yes, we may have, we may have got that name that was a, a bit more tried and tested and things like that. But I'm I'm glad we didn't, to be honest. Um, I'm I'm glad that we can still attract, and you know this might be me with my Middlesbrough, you know, cap and glasses on, that we can still attract someone of Michael Carrick's caliber to come and choose us as his first job in football. And I'm sure he won't have been short of of offers. And he even said there was things that cropped up and just weren't right. But he feels this is right. And yeah, I've, I've got to say I'm excited by it. I, I hope, I really do hope that we can add some experience because I think it will be vital. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought he spoke well. I thought he, he spoke honestly and he, he spoke, you know, almost just like a human. He, I think it would have been quite easy for a manager going into the first job to come and give, you know, really robotic, boring answers about, you know, it's just about winning football matches and getting our heads down. And, you know, he, he did that in certain parts of the conference where he needed to, but he also showed a bit of his personality talking about, for example, when they said, could you, you know, maybe he's lean on Manchester United for some for some players potentially. And he said, well, we'll have to see how cheap they, um, they sort of give me a discount on them. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed the way he spoke and I enjoyed the transparency from Kieran Scott, um, you know, Neil Bowser. I don't even really want to be talking about him at this moment in time, to be honest. The only major takeaway I had from it was the fact that actually, if you shut your eyes and listen to Neil Bowser talk, he does actually sound like a James Bond villain, to be honest. Um, so you can make of that what you will. Um, but yeah, Overall, Nathan, I'm excited and I'm fully behind Michael Carrick. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's pretty much everything uh, on, on Carrick. I think one thing that does need to be said as well, that is, of course, a bit of news coming alongside. This is Leo and his position at the football club. Um, 
Leo, of course, been in and around Middlesbrough for, for a good long while now and took over the reins <clears throat> as interim manager of Middlesbrough during this period of time. And in fairness, he hasn't done an awful job, has he? Um, seven points out of a possible 15. It's not the worst record I think you've, you've ever seen from an interim manager. Um, and a lot of people were in, were in full panic mode. Uh, after after the Wigan game when he saluted the fans, thinking, oh, no way, is this going to be Leo's parting moment at Middlesbrough? And it's not. It's not Leo's parting moment at Middlesbrough um, because he has now became Middlesbrough's head of player pathway and development, which sees Leo take up a, uh, a, a backwards seat at Middlesbrough, but still involved in and around the football club, which I think that's great if I'm honest, uh, to, to keep a man like Leo in and around the football club um, that has has Middlesbrough so close to his heart. And it's it's always good to have that connection between the fans and, and, and members of the of the staff at the football club. So wasn't to see Leo still still being in and around Middlesbrough, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, um, and this is by no means in any way intended to be, you know, almost a patronising comment. But I think that Leo, you know, is going to have a job for life at Middlesbrough. And I'm absolutely 100% okay with that. He deserves it. Um, and not because of everything he's been through, because of how much passion, how much dedication, how much loyalty he's shown to this football club um, throughout the years. He stepped up when we needed him. He adores the club. He says that himself. He understands the area. He understands what the people of Middlesbrough are about and, and you know, the mentality and 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 really the sort of morals which, which people in this area um, stand for, to be honest. And, you know, that's all you can... Of course, you, you want... A, a, someone that's that that's good at the job but you always also want good people and, and people which you know almost mirror yourself in a way in, in the that understand what it means for so many people um to work for Middlesbrough football clubs. So yeah absolutely um I'm sure if he if he's not on the bench and I guess this role probably means he won't be that um somewhere along the line he'll find himself back in amongst the the red faction or somewhere in the south stand at some point um we all know uh of course that uh that Aston Villa first first leg in the playoffs where he ended up in there um I think he was on the speaker at one point actually uh, in the south stand so we await to see if he if he just gets a normal season ticket or he just watches the game um <laughs> In, in the West Stand uh, uh, alongside, you know, the the um, hierarchy at Middlesbrough. But wherever he decides to watch the game, I'm sure he'll be um, showing as much passion as, as what he would be on the touchline. Um, just in terms of, of Preston, Nathan, obviously you mentioned it, Michael Carrick's first game away from home. We can't really preview, as we've said, because we don't know the shape, the type of lineup that he may put out. If I was to have a bit of an educated guess, I'd probably say that he won't change an awful lot 
um, going off the, the two previous games. Um, so I guess we kind of have got, got to look at Preston, to be honest, and as a way of trying analysing and, and, and previewing the game because we're somewhat of, a, of an unknown under Michael Carrick going into the game. Yeah, we are. You're right in that. Um, Preston, the only way I can really describe them is weird. Um, such a strange side in the championship so far this season. Um, they've scored the least amount of goals in the division, uh, 11 goals so far in 17 games played for Preston. Um, but the defensive record's outstanding as well. Um, they've only conceded 14, which is the best in the division, as I'm looking at it now. Um, so they've got the best defensive record in the division and the worst attacking record in the division. Um, plenty of nil-nils in their early season form. Um I think they went the long. I think they broke the record actually for the longest reigning, like without longest reigning record without conceding a goal from the start of the championship season, which was something like eight games, which is absolutely outstanding. But I think they only scored two goals in that time as well. So very very strange side. But in the last few weeks, they've started to score a few more goals. Um, one result that stood out for me uh, for Preston was a three-two away win at Norwich. Um, I think if any, if any side goes away to Carroll Road and, and picks up three points, then it has to be commended, really. And they did just that. However, they will be coming into this game off the back of defeat in their local derby at Blackpool at the weekend. Um, that'll be a killer for them, hopefully. Um, to go to Bloomfield Road and with such a good defensive record, ship four goals in your local derby. Um, I don't think that's that's going to be taken too well by the fans. Um, a, a lot of them seem to be divided by Ryan Law, who, of course, took over them um, midway through last season. And, of course got that win on the final day of last season against Chris Wilder's Middlesbrough side as Middlesbrough linked Emil Reese ran rampant and scored a hat-trick that day at Deepdale. Um, as I've just mentioned, Reese up front for Preston, um, linked to Middlesbrough in the summer. Um, I'm going to throw it out there because it no doubt happened anyway. Reese every single time he's played Middlesbrough, has been on the score sheet every single time. I'm is. throwing it out there. I'm not even bothered. I'm throwing it out there just for everyone to to dwell over and uh, be in my Twitter mentions on Saturday afternoon. But, yeah, a side that struggles to score goals, but a side that doesn't concede too many either. But perhaps that's changing following last Saturday's result for Preston. Um Regarding Middlesbrough, as you say, we don't know a lot. Um, of course, we've done okay in the last week. Four points out of six picked up. Um, we finally got that first away win of the season that 
we've hopefully sort of broken broken our duck a little bit away from home and that'll be us now from from now till the end of the season and hopefully we can pick pick up a few more results on the road because the, those fans that travel up and down the country away from home every weekend <laughs> probably deserve a little bit more than than uh, the last six months of away games without a win from from Peterborough to Wigan. So hopefully we won't we won't go another six months and we'll we'll start picking up a few more wins away from home. Yeah, yeah, that would that would be a nice start, wouldn't it? Um, you know, you think of some of them away performances especially under Chris Wilder and we won't you know get drawn into that because there really was some horror shows away from home but yeah um it just goes to show how important that win um under under Leo's uh caretaker management how important it really was away at Wigan and especially to score four goals as well um another positive that we should probably highlight actually Nathan is the fact that I think the audio has been slightly better this week. <laughs> we did mention it in the tweet, didn't we? It was a struggle last week. It was a lot to do with Wi-Fi. And I don't want to point fingers, Nathan, but that university Wi-Fi was lacking a little bit last week. It was. It was seriously struggling. Um, but the improvement looks to be looks to have been made now it it wasn't just me that was struggling unfortunately it was a lot of people in my building uh so apologies to everyone listening uh for that it, it can be frustrating um it's as frustrating for us as it is for you guys listening um but if if there was any any cutouts um in the audio and even on the video, if there is pauses on the video on YouTube, then then I do apologise for that. Uh, it, it just happens, unfortunately. Yeah, it's out of our control. We can try and control many things, but uh, I think even Wi-Fi is probably above our pay grade, to be honest, Nathan. Um, but I, I think that actually, on, on a positive note, I guess, because from our, from our end, from both our ends, it seems to have improved this week always nice to finish on a positive i think that is actually a, um an episode another episode i should say wrapped up with a new manager with a win discussed <laughs> um of course in typical middlesbrough fashion we did have to talk about somewhat of a drab um draw drab result whichever way you want to look at it um but Nathan, is there anything that I've missed or anything that you want to mention before before we move on? Not as far as I'm aware. Um, the only thing I would mention is these these last these last five games before the international break. I think it needs to be mentioned how difficult they're going to be. Um, five games, four away from home, which is shocking, really. Um, not an easy start for Michael Carrick, is it? Definitely not. Uh, you look at the teams in there. I'll just reel them off dead quick for you. Preston away, Hull away, Bristol City at home, Blackpool away, and ending off before the break with a trip to Carroll Road with Norwich away. Four astronomically difficult away games to start, really. Sides that are up there at the top of the division, but also some sides that are down there that 
have been struggling so far this season, but are now picking up a bit of form when you look at Hull and you look at Blackpool as well. So four very difficult away games. And of course, the first home game of Michael Carrick's tenure with Bristol City on bonfire night. So hopefully there'll be fireworks in that one and hopefully there'll be Middlesbrough fireworks. Yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed for that. And hopefully... There is uh, no Halloween scares prior to that. Um, sorry, I just had to get the reference in because you know <laughs> night one in. I felt I needed to as well. Um, apologies for that. <laughs> uh, from me, Nathan, that has been another episode of the Brocklist podcast. Thank you ever so much for watching and listening. Um, thankfully, the Wi-Fi seems to have held up a little bit more this week. Um, so... Do be sure to, instead of comment about the Wi-Fi, comment about your thoughts on the podcast or just ask a question if you'd like, or maybe even tell us where you've been watching or listening from. Who knows? It's up to you. Um, but again, from me and Nathan, thanks ever so much. And we'll see you again next week with another, another, got to the end and almost done it, Nathan, another episode of the Brockless podcast. We'll see you again next week. Fire, 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 fire. Oh!